we are back at the International Ocean Film Festival, and one of the great things, Tyler, we're just uh, able to talk to folks, meet people, bring them together, and on the show, and we have met Crystal Sanders, who is the founder of Fish Revolution, a nonprofit organization dedicated to sustainable harvest of fish and I think what's interesting from the catch to the table, uh, through the restaurants, Crystal, welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. Man, thanks for having me. So glad to be here. Well, Crystal, it's really cool to have you here. Uh, for the audience, explain again what it is that you do. Yeah, so I founded an organization called Fish Revolution, and we focus on sustainable seafood, and we mostly work with chefs, restaurants, other businesses, as well as consumers, and helping them look at how their seafood choices affect the health of the ocean, and then how we can work to make better choices for a healthier ocean. So part of that must be connecting these restaurants to uh, fishermen, fisherwomen, uh, harvesters, and trying to get those products and get those restaurants to purchase sustainably caught seafood. Is that part of your agenda? Yeah, absolutely. We work um, throughout the seafood supply chain, literally from okay. fishermen through to the end consumer and everybody in between, including other nonprofits. Um, we just recently started working with some farmers markets to look at their mm. seafood purchasing policies for farmers markets because you would think going to a farmers market, totally. you're getting locally caught seafood from you know, right out in the bay here you in San Francisco. That. Yes. And that's not at all the case. Lots of farmers markets are selling imported seafood, things that are not mm. sustainable, and it's just this unknowing uh, confusion around seafood. And so we're working with some local groups here to implement those first farmers market sustainable seafood standards. Well, tell us a little bit about your, your background, because I understand you're a bit of a scientist. I, a bit, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I'm a marine and fisheries biologist, right. and so I uh, studied marine biology and fisheries management in college. I went to school at A&M in Corpus Christi. Giga Maggie's, of course, <laughs> one Aggie to another. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, was, you know, on the research path in academia and working in um, government agencies and collecting population data on fishery mm -hmm. mortality and effort um, yeah. along the Texas coast. And then through that, just noticing the fishing community that I grew up in. I grew up in um, Aransas Pass, Texas, and yeah. used to be the shrimp capital of the United States. Totally. And, you know, literally right now the docks are collapsing into the water, and, you know, there's not really a fleet there. Nope. As historically had been. And I just kept noticing more and more fishermen, you know, becoming disgruntled with the regulations and really fighting to stay fishing and looking more at myself of, and my role and how could, I could be more effective in, in solving some of these problems and just kind of coming to the conclusion, well, you know, all these fish are disappearing because we're eating them all and that's a connection there and how can I do more around that? And had the idea was like, well, just start talking to people about what they're eating. Yeah, so when you think of a sustainable fishery, what, I mean, what do you imagine? Um, well, there's science behind all of that too of course, and it's of um, being able to fish a fishery in a way that sustains it into the future in perpetuity so the fishing methods that we're using aren't causing excessive damage to the habitat aren't catching excessive bycatch of other species um, that we're not targeting yeah. and we're targeting fish that their life histories allow for this take 
um, and the catch of the species while they're replenishing their populations at the same time. And there's a human component, too, that I think we leave out as well in looking at these fishing communities um, and how the people who are in these fishing communities are affected as well, both by regulation, by the loss of seafood species as we overfish them, and then as we start to rebuild these and come up with new ideas on how to solve the problems, are we shifting the problem away from being overfished populations to now we're just collapsing the community of people that thrive on those species? Yeah, it's a really important point, I think, this, uh, what it means to be a a fisherman and a fishing community. And actually, we watched a student film today that actually kind of highlighted the cultural uh, identity component here. And, um, you know, I think that humans in general, we're like, we're, some of us are called to farm. Some of, some of us are called to fish. It's like ancient, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I, and in fact, uh, I, did, I watched a documentary, not at this film festival, but elsewhere. And, uh, about a relatively, um, untouched, tribe of people down in Central America and of course they're they still subsistent uh, fish they bow fish in the rivers and stuff and it's really you know quite interesting the way when your your subsistence is direct to the fish you are eating them and that is your food supply they're very careful to balance that but when you add all these pieces in between and what you get at the store is like a perfectly you know saran wrapped piece of meat uh you're detached from the ecosystem from that process and you know that's what fishermen get to enjoy is that attachment unfortunately and you know one of the themes of of this festival has been just perverse overfishing you know mechanized industrialized takes that are in no way I don't believe sustainable I just cannot imagine that being a sustainable practice yeah definitely and I think there's several things to kind of unpack around that yeah go ahead looking that we've had these this idea of sustainable seafood let's say is like relatively new however there's been people who indigenous people who have fished and used resources in a sustainable way and understand the practices that are needed to continue to take from the environment while feeding ourselves. And so I don't think that this is any new idea. And where I'm focusing our work currently is how are we bringing those people more into this conversation? Uh Because I feel they've been very excluded. And how do we take that indigenous knowledge and really use that because it's already there we're not creating anything new here Uh and i think that we like to think that we are but we're not and um and just the connection with the ocean most people the only connection they have with the ocean is through their dinner plate and so you know i live in san francisco i'm from the coastal bend in texas and so i've grown up around the ocean and my connection with the ocean has always been very present and being on the ocean and in the ocean and under the ocean but most people don't get that and if they do they're going to the beach and it's a very surface level connection and then if they get lucky they get in and if they get scuba certified they get under and they start to have this connection growing and growing but most people in middle america only connect to the ocean by having fish for dinner Mm -hmm. and so how do we take all of that inspiration and 
really tie those two things together for people who may not get to be under the water and see all of the magnificence that's there and still understand that it's still there on their plate in Kansas. You know. Yeah, that is a bold thing to try to do with and Fish Revolution, the nonprofit that you founded. How long has that been in existence? 11 years. 11 years. Uh, but to take into account the community itself, to care about the people and the fishing community and the resource, to look at practices of indigenous communities, to really think hard about sustainability all the way through to the restaurant, from the retail standpoint. I mean, that is a bold agenda, Crystal, and I admire you. I think it's that complicated, and I think it has to be thought about from, as they say, from the hook to the plate. I mean, the whole food supply which which kind of trips off the tongue when you say it but i'll tell you (laughs) when you think about all those pieces oh it's complicated it's so complicated and i'm curious to know um so one of the things we like to talk about are kind of cultural differences around Mm -hmm. the american shoreline you're you're a texas coastal person you're now living in the bay area um your your nonprofit is headquartered here Mm -hmm. so my first question uh i guess we'll just start with is how is it operating here in the bay area how is it received you know How do you go about the business of doing that? Yeah, I think one of the motivating factors for me to move here um, almost 12 years ago from coastal Texas was the fact that I was moving in this direction with my work. And Texas has never been a spot that openly really fully embraces conservation. No. Um, No offense to our friends from Texas, but it is a fair criticism, (laughs) 100%. The ethic is... I don't want to it's less formed and it's less present and and it it yeah you're, yeah. But interestingly, there's a lot of fishermen. There's a lot of anglers. The people Definitely. are outside hunting and fishing. Yeah. So there is a conservation ethic. It's just that the government and the the like oversight framework hmm. has not evolved or, you know, I guess tech, some some in Texas might say devolved, but. I'm going to say evolved the yeah. way it has say out here where oversight is just a part of life. I mean, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. And it's the way problems are solved here. Most fishermen that I know are some of the best conservationists in Texas and in California. Yeah. So it's, it's not that it's missing. It just isn't prevalent. Um, so that was moving here, you know, it was kind of like, I deeply wanted to be around a lot of people who I could have these conversations with and and more try to problem solve quicker because to me this is a extreme emergency and it was so 11 years ago and so then coming here San Francisco is very much known for you know farm to plate organic those things land base and there is interest in the seafood aspect but it's still very confusing to a lot of people and so it's still today kind of the last thought on what are we going to change? How are we going to do it? You know, we have farm to table restaurants all over the city and I go in and ask about the seafood item on their menu and then nobody knows any information about where the fish came from. Yeah. And then they just try to make it up when I ask and I'm very good. I've studied (laughs) this for like, they picked the wrong person to pull pull the wool over your ass. (laughs) Well, you know, there's something the, the, uh, the, 
out here, this what we got the farmers market going on right here on yeah. the pier yeah. in Fort Mason today. Absolutely beautiful, and there is a fish seller out I there. I, by and I, spied I, on them. I, I stopped by too and looked. <laughs> there was a lot of salmon fillets there, mm-hmm. and I this crossed my mind because you can walk down those aisles of the farmers market and the and the farms. The land based stuff is easy because it'll say sunshine farms and here's where we grow our tomatoes it's a physical space you can source it you can put a label on it and i think part of it is if you're trying to buy sustainable fish how the hell do you tell and who do you go to as a restaurateur or even as a a buyer it's harder because it's not is that part of it it's just harder physically to figure out what who who to trust yeah absolutely it's a relationship component is very much a huge part of it and it's building these relationships and and the knowledge behind it and who's doing what and who can you trust and who's acknowledging that maybe they're not doing the right thing now but are interested in shifting towards the better thing yeah and supporting them by giving them your business or you know letting them know that you support them in that process and when they're complete you will buy yeah. from them and yeah it's a scary thing as a business owner and i try to take that lens a lot as i go in and when i'm working with chefs or restaurants it's it's never a cookie cutter approach and it's never like this restaurant did this and now you have to do the exact same thing right. because that just doesn't yeah. work for business never. and so it's let's look at what you're serving now let's see your baseline sustainability on everything on your menu now and then let's talk about what we need to do to make some changes and then come up with a plan to do that in a way that doesn't feel super overwhelming that you're going to feel like you're going out of business trying to do the right thing because that's not sustainable for anybody right and so then we come up with the plan and then we start sourcing new things and does this plan include um help kind of marketing the the in the environmental benefits of sustainable fit you know fish yeah absolutely it's the storytelling and the marketing behind it and helping them yeah. realize that that is a component that now that they're, they're doing this we need to tell people about it so that people know what they're doing and come and dine with them and then that starts to build the relationships with the consumers and the restaurants or the markets and then they come back and they build mm. loyalty with you know they're going to come and when yeah tourist their tourist family come into san francisco they're going to bring them back to that restaurant because they know that they can trust them and they know that they're doing the work yeah and people it is well known there is a segment of the market uh, people will pay a premium for environmentally sustainable and sensibly done products whether it's a tomato or a cucumber or a salmon and i would think especially when it gets to protein where it's uh you know the damage potential is high um, when it sounds very satisfying, how's the reception? How, when you go to do, tell us how it's how it's working, and and how to, and and give me a sense of the health of the fisheries around the that you're working with. How's it going? Yeah, um, it's a slow and steady process because it's also myself building relationships with each of these components of the supply chain yeah and you know i'm no stranger to working with fishermen working for i used to work for nymphs and have to go to the docks and you know i yeah. was cussed out for a good month when i arrived <laughs> yeah. at the, dock. the government she's here oh my yeah, god we can't you know and yeah. it was just because i was the now the face that was present for them to air all their grievances mm-hmm. and i just would listen and you know and then they wouldn't want to give me any data, you know, and finally one day I had to just be like, wait, 
I'm a fisherman too. And I'm not going to collect any data. I don't want your reports today. Let's go fishing. Wow. And after, and then that is like literally what changed everything. And then they got, we got out on the water and they could tell that I had been fishing and I grew up fishing. And, and then from there, it was like, they started turning in their reports. They started calling me when something was happening. Totally. They started participating in the process. Mm. And it was because I wasn't trying to just like shove it down their throat. Wow. It was like high skill. Let's, That's high skill. Let's connect as peers as, you know, as fishermen, as people who love going out into the ocean and, and yeah. doing this. And, um, and I take that same approach now with everybody that I work with and chefs and restaurants. It's like, let's develop a relationship here. You tell me what your concerns are and where you think the sticky points are. And we're going to navigate that together. And I'm not going to expect you just to solve this problem overnight and be like, you need to do X, Y, and Z and call me when you're done. Mm, Yeah. Because seafood is really confusing. It's the only wild food source we have left. That's what I think is just so important to think about. Yeah, and I it's had, dynamic. Yeah, <laughs> it is the it's the only wild food source we still I use mean, for commercial purposes. I mean, it's illegal to commercially utilize game meat from like deer and stuff. That is prohibited. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it, if I shot like say a, a waterfowl legally, you know, I couldn't sell you. In fact, I couldn't even, I can't barter with that. Like, I have to keep it. I can gift it, you know. Yeah, you could give me a duck. Yeah, I could give you a duck for Christmas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which would be a lovely gift, I you think. You give me a duck for Christmas, yeah. too. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you, so, in other words, the, but yeah. these fish are open. And hmm. um, it has to do with how they're regulated, for sure. And, are, and also, the, you know, all of the things we've talked about with the difficulty of fisheries. You can't see them. And they are wild. And a question I have for you is, uh, obviously, having a wild fishery is something that I think we all want on, in the world. But with a glo- growing population, with our insatiable appetite for seafood, how, how do you see aquaculture working into the fold? And, and can that be done at a scale that's not harmful to the wild fishery? Yeah, I definitely believe we have zero choice but to explore aquaculture more deeply but we have to do it in a responsible way that Mm -hmm. isn't further harming the ocean because what we're trying to do is to protect the ocean yeah and not in a lot some aquaculture is short-sighted in the fact that it's like oh well let's just feed people but that doesn't solve the problem of ocean health because it creates more problems in the ocean totally so i have i give a talk that's called uh farmed is not an f word in seafood and we hmm. basically Great. cover that we do need these aquaculture practices and we do need to explore how we can do them more responsibly. And then we can start to create these avenues where we're farming things. And, you know, I have a very strong support for wild salmon fisheries mm-hmm. and on the West Coast and really supporting those fishing communities and we have some farmed salmon options that are coming up and, and technologies that are coming. And I think that it's great that we're exploring that, but nearly all of them are still taking wild fish from the ocean to feed the farmed salmon. Right. And that just doesn't work for me. That's the big risk. I mean, any intensified Sounds terrible. Uh, protein mm-hmm. production, really, it's the, it's the feedstock, mm-hmm. the herring, uh, and other bait fish that are going to be ground up and thrown in the pens. It's a very complicated 
issue, but I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think we are going to move into uh, aquaculture on a fairly large scale. There's lots of examples around the United, uh, around the world, less in the United States, but certainly in the Scandinavian countries uh, on salmon and, and shrimp is a huge, hugely aquaculture, tilapia. There's a lot happening. Um, the management of that new fishery is going to be uh, a, is a challenge, I think, for all of your friends still back at NIMPS. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I did want to wrap up with one final thing. We've met several people here who are, first of all, scientists who have been career researchers or worked in the regulatory universe like you have with, uh, with the National Marine Fisheries Service and, you know, on the ground doing the work who've then made this transition into talking to the public about what they understand. Can you tell us a little bit about that transition for you? That's a big step. You have a master's in marine biology, you're a fisheries biologist, very experienced, uh, professionally trained and had a great job and then decided to become an advocate for, you know, fish revolution, found this thing. And what was, what went, how did that happen? Yeah, it was honestly just soul searching for myself and feeling I wasn't making as big of an impact as I possibly could and what that looked like and how I could do something different. And this is kind of what it came to and realizing the shortcomings of the government regulation, regulatory bodies and like the, you know, institutional complex of that and just a very lack of actual results in a speed and time frame that could shift things dramatically and I just couldn't I was feeling like I was complicit in that not happening and I just yeah. need, I just had this very big need to like go and just do things faster and get on the ground and not just wait for yeah. you know the paperwork to be graded or not graded but yeah, <laughs> input in, data yeah. input like yeah. a year after I'd already turned it in processed and, and then you know the regulatory process and bureaucracy that it had to go through by the yeah. time anybody even looked at it and yeah i was just like i'm gonna go to make the a chefs. dent you know yeah. <laughs> well uh, crystal sanders founder uh chief executive of fish revolution here in the san francisco bay area working on sustainable fish practices uh Hook to table, I guess, is the yeah. phrase. Is that the phrase? There's a different oh, phrase. So like, hook to plate. Yeah, hook to plate. Uh, hook to throat. <laughs> hook to throat. That sounds like a fisherman. That's a, good, that's a, fish, that's a fisherman one. Uh, thank you, Crystal, yeah, for you sitting guys. down with us on the American Shoreline Podcast. And uh, have, enjoy the rest of the festival. Yeah, thank you.